Welcome to Ministry IRL. I'm your host, Patrick Weed, and I'm super excited to explore with you what life can be like behind the scenes for those who are in ministry. Let's talk about what ministry is like in real life. Well, here we are, still stuck at home and dealing with the pandemic of 2020. I myself have been doing what I can to not go crazy. I'm sure many of you are there, right there with me. One thing, though, that I have discovered, um, I don't know if discover is the right word. I've used it for work often, but I've been using it a lot more to stay in touch with friends and family, as well as even play games. Online through video chat has been a lifesaver for me, for me as well as my family. Um, We've connected with extended family. We've had our small group via video chat. I've had many a conversation with friends just catching up, now doing it via video chat. Um, I am so grateful to Zoom. If you haven't discovered Zoom, no, they're not promoting this episode, but hey, they are a great tool to have. Zoom.us, I believe it is, is a free tool. And as long as you're one-on-one, it's unlimited time. But other than that, it um, is a great tool to have. I've been using that a lot. And during many of these conversations, it's been interesting to me to see the direction of what we're talking about. Not only are there tons of conversations about how do we do ministry now, um, we're currently having discussions about what Easter is going to look like, um, thinking about preaching to an empty congregation. Uh, a few of my friends now are doing it or about to do it, and it's, it's just really different. But something else in those conversations that I have noticed coming up is a lot of discussion about what life is going to be like after the quarantine is over. And one thing that's come to my mind, and I've discussed this now with a few people, is that idea of You know, when people are faced with their mortality, when people are faced with fear and hopelessness and a worldwide pandemic, often that brings them to a place where they start seeking not just maybe meaning for their life, but God and hope and relationships with people and church and realizing that they need that. And so I've had a few discussions now where talking about how do we set the stage for people who are going to be coming either to church, to our small groups, or just having conversations with people as we face a lack of hope and and a lot of fear. And many have put out a lot of encouraging words. Um, I agree with them. You know, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Um, Our hope is in the Lord. I agree with all of those. But in this time, those who don't have that don't know what to do necessarily. So I've been thinking about evangelism, and I wanted to share just a little bit of what that used to look like for me. Not used to, what I grew up with it looking like. Um, uh, many of you will remember the uh, the Roman road, walking through the book of Romans and different passages and using that to help guide someone to praying the sinner's prayer, which is another part of it, and specific words that needed to be said in order to make sure that you receive Jesus into your heart. And even that aspect of like into your heart um, were things that I grew up with. Um, I I felt like either it was this thing where you had to make sure that people either did something or said something specific. And then that was their moment of salvation. And and don't get me wrong here. I'm not disregarding that there. I mean, that's a lot of my own personal salvation story. 
It's just, as I've gotten older, I think I've recognized that as important as those are, they are a basic understanding of what it means to become a believer, to become a Christian, and that we need to make sure we remember everything else that goes beyond that, that's that's other deeper parts of what it means to become a Christian, to become a follower of Jesus. And so I started thinking about what I look and what I think about, excuse me, I started to realize that my process of understanding evangelism has changed. It's gone deeper. It hasn't rejected those things. I still think it's important to pray. I still think that the book of Romans has a great way of presenting the gospel. But I started to realize that it needs to be more, that becoming a believer, following Jesus means that your life is going to change. And not in some specific way, like not just in going to church. That's important. Go to church. We need to go to church. But more so that going to church doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. Um, I think there's a lot of people who go to church and still aren't Christians. To me, I started seeing that that deeper life change, that it also comes with a desire to have a relationship with God. And I think that that's the initial thing that kind of connected in my brain for this pandemic and what people will probably be like afterwards is that desire to know God, to have a relationship with God, someone, some things, a being that can provide hope for the future. And so I started thinking also about the specifics of We need to, as we become believers, we need to hear from God. So then learning what it means to hear from God becomes a foundational element of becoming a believer, of starting that journey. If you want to have a relationship with someone, you've got to be able to talk to them. And prayer is not just a one-way street. I've heard that said my whole life growing up. So Knowing how to hear from God, allowing yourself to hear from God, whatever I need to say to present it in your in a way that's okay for you and your theology, but allowing God to input into your life, into your thoughts, into your emotions, into your actions, all of those things combined together is a big part of becoming a believer. And I look back to, and I know it might sound, like I've said, a bit negative in discussing the initial aspects of things I grew up with, but I think it's because I can look back now and see we want to know. We want to be excited with people when they become a believer, and so we want to have some measure of like counting and, and knowing like how many people in your church have become a believer, and so in order to do that, you know, in order to know how are we growing as a church, as a denomination, as, you know, a movement, we want to be able to find ways to to figure that out. And so we start implementing these simple processes to be able to say, if you've done this, then you're a believer and we can count you. And that's not the purpose. Don't get me wrong. It's not for counting, but it's because we want to be excited with everybody about how many people are coming to know Jesus. And I realized as I've gotten older that the concept of a deeper, meaningful relationship with God and trying to know who has that so that we can rejoice together in how many people together are in a relationship with God are two very difficult things to combine together. Um, it's it's hard to say, hey, have you? Uh, do you have a deep and meaningful relationship with God? 
I mean, some people know how to answer that question. Some people might tell you yes. Some people might tell you no. Most people would probably say, I don't know. And then how do we how do we count that? But then not having that information of knowing like our, our movement or just as a body of Christ of who is all out there, like that's still important too. My dad would always make the joke, there's not a book in the Bible called Numbers for no reason. God thinks numbers is important too. There's a lot here, right? Like I know I'm just scratching the surface of this, but the point that I think I really wanted to make was recognizing that evangelism is much more than just simple words or a simple action of going to church. That as we have the opportunity as believers to connect and engage with new people who are going to be coming to your church, coming to your small group, that your ministry leaders, that you yourself are a ministry leader if you just say hi to somebody who's new in your church because they want to connect. They want to know what is it that you have that allows you to have hope, that allows you to not give up and be afraid during this time. They want that too. And so it becomes more about saying hi to somebody at church that you've never met before, inviting somebody to your small group that you haven't invited before, and then pursuing it with them just in a normal friendship way. When I get together on these Zoom calls with my friends, I ask them, how are you? What's going on? We catch up. We talk about how we're feeling and the things that are frustrated and how it's weird to go and help with the service at church and nobody's there. And that's just what you do too with someone who has started coming to church and started coming to your small group is you just follow up. Hey, how's it going? What, you know, what have you been reading in the Bible that's that you have questions about? You know, have you been hearing from God? How's that going? Do you need help? You know, how can I pray for you? Um, what can I pray for? Like, those are all ways that we can help people have a deeper and more meaningful relationship with God by introducing it. Sorry, I'm getting so excited about this. So this is something that's really important to me, as you can't, if you can't tell. So I was thinking, what is the foundational aspect of becoming a Christian. And I thought it'd be fun. I have a lot of my own thoughts. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to Google it. What What does Google say if I type in what does it mean to become a Christian? And it was funny. There was a bunch of ads at the very beginning. And I was like, I usually don't like those because it's not always necessarily the information I'm looking for. And I think it was one of the first uh, links. I'm, I'm just making sure. Yep, it was the first link. It was a BBC article that I thought was very interesting, a secular news organization, if you haven't heard of it. Yeah, I believe it's the, I don't know exactly what it stands for, but it's the BBC. And this is what it says, what it means to be a Christian. The word Christian was given to the early followers of Jesus, and the name has stuck to this day. Being a Christian is not about keeping rules and regulations, performing rituals, or even going to church. It's about a friendship, a friendship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said that knowing him is the doorway to a special relationship with God. Jesus says that we can begin such a special relationship with God by committing ourselves to following him. Millions of people today have discovered a relationship with God in this way. I thought that was perfect. Like that is exactly how I feel. Being a Christian means that Jesus is my friend. He's my Lord. I, I respect him. He's my friend in the sense that I can connect and talk to him. 
And he talks back to me and he encourages me. He challenges me. He gives me assignments. He tells me things I need to work on in my life. He gives me words and themes for my life that are aspects of what's going on. All of that is because I'm a Christian, not because that means rules, regulations, and church, but it means being a Christian means that Jesus is my friend. And so I just want to really encourage you as we come back to church and being together in person. I know we're going to all be really excited. I cannot wait for that to happen. I'm so ready to get back to seeing people again on a normal basis. But as we do that, let's remember those who don't have that to look forward to necessarily or who want it but don't know where to go to get it. And I think it's going to be the perfect opportunity for us to share the love, the hope that God gives us, the friendship that we have with Jesus.